everybody! Welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast with me, Samantha, and him, Indy. How are you, Indy? I'm doing all right. It's a bit of a sleepy day. We're recording late on a, what is it, Wednesday? Is it Wednesday? Is it only Wednesday? It might be Thursday. No, I think it's Wednesday. I think it's still Wednesday. After a long day of work, we just want to talk about this movie. Yeah. How about you? How are you doing? I'm good. I I feel like I meet your description of our evening. I'm very sleepy, but still kind of excited to talk about this film. Well, that bodes well. You got two sleepy hosts, but before we get into anything, we have to settle some more riffle rifle stuff. Okay, perfect. It's riffle rifle corner. So if you were listening to last episode, we were talking about how I just discovered riffling is a word. But you can also rifle through things. See, that's how I was using it. If you rifle through things, you're rummaging with the intent of theft. If you are just searching through them, like your own stuff, then you are riffling through it. So there's two words that have independent etymologies that mean almost the exact same thing that are just one letter off from each other. That's ridiculous. English, man. It's crazy. No wonder nobody can learn our language. It's a pretty weird one. Um, So I was using rifling like riffling. Yes. And I don't think I'm in the wrong for that. And you were using clamor to mean clamber. Yes. But now we're all sorted. Now we're all sorted. And now we can stop talking about vocabulary and get on to our movie, which was called Instant Family. So I had never seen this movie before. Samantha has seen it a couple of times? Uh, So yeah, I've seen this two or three times. I liked it every single time, and I'm excited to hear... You mean you loved it, because that's what this podcast is about. Oh, I loved it. You bring me movies that you love. I loved it every single time. Okay. And I'm nervous to hear what you think. Because I'm always nervous to hear what you think. So, Indy, I loved this. Did you? I did not. I'm not surprised. Why are you not surprised? (laughs) Because you don't generally like the movies that I like. I think if you look back on it, I've been positive on almost all of them. Perhaps not love, but I've liked pretty much all of them. This one, not so much. I think this was one of my least favorite films that you've picked since, I don't know, since like Bride Wars. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't say Bride Wars. Yeah. Okay. It's better than that. It's better than Bride Wars. Yes. Okay. I'll take that as a small win. (laughs) So I think first off, we have to talk about when you like or dislike a movie. As I am learning doing this podcast... People take it very, very personally because they're like, what, you don't like that subject matter, that person? I was like, no, no, no. I don't like that movie, which is very different. Mm -hmm. And I think in movies like this, when there is subject matter that is very dear to people's hearts and is very positive. Yeah. To say you don't like the movie, people take that in a very different way. I think this is just a poorly done movie. And I think the subject matter deserves better. Okay. I understand where you're coming from, and I'm excited to talk about it. And I think I agree with what you say is, like, where people find very, like, personal, like, where they personally relate with the subject matter, they feel differently about it, because this is something that I feel 
quite strongly about. Right. And I think that being adopted, which I don't think our listeners know, is it's this seemed it hit very close to home. And I think I'm being a little bit more forgiving of it, which I can see. But I think that this was this was a movie that touched me quite significantly. And that's really understandable. And I do think that the emotional beats when you got to them were mm-hmm. effective to me as well. Yeah. Like when it gets to those those sad and those or moments. like yeah. or the really uplifting moments, I thought those were effective, but I don't think it was due to anything that most of the cast or the director was doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's just that in my own mind I'm imagining that situation. Mhm. And we as the audience have to do the heavy lifting in this movie to to find those emotions. Yeah. They're not given to us. I can see that. I can oh. see that like explanation of it. And I think that maybe it's just because I have such a history with this subject matter that I think I was, like I said, I was way more forgiving of it and I was willing to do the heavy lifting because I've been doing that for most of my life, right? Like that's the kind of, you know feelings that I have towards it. So right at the beginning of this movie, before we get into the kids being in it, if you haven't watched it, really, you should, because we're going to ruin the whole thing and we're going to spoil it. Mm -hmm. But the short story is there is a couple, they end up going into a foster care camp lessons (laughs) class. Foster care lessons, yeah. And they end up adopting three children, which they were not planning on doing, And then there's always a moment where they think that they're going to be separated, but in the end, they are able to adopt them permanently. That's the the really short version of this story. That was a pretty good synopsis, yeah. But at the beginning, so we don't have any of the kids yet, and we don't have kind of the emotional charged aspects of this movie. Mm -hmm. Do you think it was enjoyable then? Do you find like Rose Byrne and Mark Wahlberg a compelling on-screen couple? Not when I was watching with you. (laughs) (laughs) What do you feel? Um, I felt like the first time I saw this movie, I sat through it and from start to finish, I was just absolutely captivated. Um, And I think that I enjoyed it the second time I saw it. And then when we watched it together, so I have seen it three times. I was more critical because I'm always, like, waiting for you to judge whatever we're watching when I bring oh, it to you. that's not a good way to live your life. No, it didn't feel great, but it was... You can't worry about what other people think. Oh. This whole the, this whole podcast can't be about, like, well, I want to pick something that the other person likes. It's about exploring what's different, and I think anyone can like any movie. If you love Twilight Awesome. (laughs) I just think that you should know why you like something and be able to say like, oh, I like it because of. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of the time people just like things because like, oh, yeah, this is what you like. Yeah. How else do you explain how popular Friends still is? (laughs) It's just because everyone said like, no, this is good. It's not. But we all say it is, so we all start believing it. So I, yes. I think that the reason that I really like the opening sequence is because it shows kind of um, this stigma, like you have to be perfect, you have to be special in order to take on this kind of family, right? Like this foster kids or adoption or whatever they were doing, which wasn't 100% clear. Like I feel like they mixed adoption and foster kids together. and it, Yeah, they seemed very interchangeable in this yeah, movie, which, which is not they're the case. Not, yeah. They're not. Anyone who's like had experience with either of those knows that it's not the same thing. Um, 
But I felt like having this chaotic opening to the movie was very um, kind of telling of who they were, and it showed that anyone can do this, and anyone can be, like, maybe not anyone can be successful at it, but um, if you really want it, and if you really um, feel strongly about this kind of thing, even if you have kind of a chaotic family or chaotic household, I think that if this is something that you really want, and you are, you know, responsible enough to handle it, I think that people can learn to change for what they want, which in this case was children and adopting from the foster system. That sounds great, and I would love to watch that movie. That was beautiful. (laughs) If you can find that in here, then that sounds like a good movie, but we don't usually do this, but let's play the first scene because this movie starts so fast and (laughs) it was a very fast opening (laughs) when when we were watching we usually we don't talk about the movie because that's what the podcast for you made a lot of comments during this movie (laughs) the first 10 minutes i think it was amongst the worst first 10 minutes i've ever seen in a movie uh, outside of like Neil Breen movies or like Troll 2 or like bad, bad movies. Mm-hmm. For a movie that is a big budget Hollywood movie, it was so poorly written and directed. And it's the same person who did both. Mm-hmm. But let's watch this first scene of Instant Family. This is it? Hey, hey, yeah, come in, come in. You guys made me ask off an hour early to see this dump? We're all smelling this right now, right? Yeah, it smells like I'm breathing piss. Okay, not a good fit, so we'll just go. The the bones are really good. When's the part we cough up 12 grand to fix the rotted out foundation? Okay, clearly it's not for them, right? Let's just flip this one out. There's a park across the street, and the schools here are fantastic if you have a baby. When? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Kimmy. When? When you have a baby. We're having a baby. We are having a baby. You see that? That's called manifesting to the universe. Sometimes the universe thinks it's funny if I drop $26,000 on in vitro first. Oh, you're a dick. I'm kidding. If this place is so great, why don't you guys move in here? What are they going to do with five bedrooms in a park? They're obviously never having kids. Look at them. Probably emotional holes to fill. Not that we are doing it to... Shut up, Russ. All right. What was that look? But look, he just said you guys were never going to have kids, and then you did a definite look. Yeah, there was a look. What was the look for? Because you looked back at me to try to include me in your look. I didn't do a look. Totally did a look. It wasn't a look. I think we just started some trouble. No, there's no trouble. Maybe even a fight. There's no fight. There's no trouble. <laughs> Let's there's get no out of here. Come on. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You guys are going to have kids now, aren't you? No. What? Kimmy, I don't know. I, what? what? For sure, because you have to win at everything. And then you're going to throw your perfect uterus in my face, too. How do you know that my uterus is so perfect? We've never even tried to have kids. I don't know if I can get pregnant. Oh, I... of course. It is perfect. It is yours, Kimmy. It probably has a leather interior. Please, Kimmy, it just got here. Sorry, Petey. Have a good fight. (laughs) So that scene happens one minute into the movie. Not one minute after things get going, one minute after credits, one minute after you press play, that happens. (laughs) That is a lot. So they set up everything. Everything. Okay, this couple is doing in vitro. Oh, he's angry. It costs money. And then this couple, uh, Roseburn and Wahlberg, never wanted kids, never talked about it. But in that one scene, just because the sister said, oh, now you're going to have kids, they, yeah, they in fact do. All of that happens based on that one scene. They just get right into things. I can't even remember all of the things I want to complain about from that little (laughs) scene because there were so many. It was a lot 
all in one. And I, watching it with you, I can tell that it like isn't a great scene, but it it got you right into the theme of the movie. What's a movie you love besides this? Do you love Bring It On? Yeah. What if the first scene of Bring It On, instead of that really fun dream sequence, it has the two teams they come together and said, "Hey, we are the." We're the tough ones. You guys are goody too. Just hope you don't steal our stuff. That would be bad. But then you might have honor in the end. We'll see. That would be a terrible <laughs> Yeah, opening. you're right. You're you right. You can't tell them what's going to happen. And at the end, we have this big reveal of like, well, why did we adopt them? We had a hole in our hearts. And it takes the whole movie for them to realize it. They said it right there. Mm-hmm. They said they don't have a hole in their hearts, so they don't need children. Mm-hmm. And it also has this thing like, well, if you... Like, that's how you fill voids is like yeah just have a couple of kids and they didn't even know they were there's just the motivations of these characters is all over the place and when it is clear it makes me really dislike who the people are mm. i really think that you just you know if that had been the beginning of bring it on that would have ruined it um I also like when you summarize movies like that because it's funny. (laughs) Uh, That was my favorite. And you need to do more of that. This movie starts out really quickly, yes. But I think that I didn't notice that the first couple times I watched it. And I think it's because I acknowledge that I think I have a blind spot towards, you know, this movie being bad because of the subject matter. So I'm excited to see what else you point out that maybe wasn't the best because I, now I acknowledge that maybe that beginning sequence wasn't great. But that goes on for quite some time until yes. the until the kids arrive. Yes. And the movie is so much better once the kids come. Mm-hmm. So I was just waiting for that the whole time because then you can see some fun interactions with these parents. They don't know what they're doing. These kids all have set personalities. Yeah. They have one personality trait each and that's fine, I guess. Like... Normally I complain about like, oh, this is just a cookie cutter. It could be a made for TV movie. But the points where this movie shines is when it is a cookie cutter made for TV movie. Yes. Those are the better parts. Yeah. And that's not a high bar. (laughs) Okay, well, let's talk about what happens before the kids come in. So they go to that parent support group. Let's talk about when they go into the adoption center, foster parent class or whatever. That's right after the song plays that narrates their emotions. Yes. They said, oh, we're looking for something in our lives, something like that. And then they have like a web browsing montage and then they go into these classes. Who are the people in this? Not who are the individuals in the class. This film are we meant to believe that these are, like, real people? So even in something like um, Avengers, mm-hmm. we know that there's no Iron Men and Hulks, but each individual character in it is meant to be, like, a person that you could meet in the real world, right? Yeah. But then you get into, like, a comedy like um, Anchorman or Austin Powers or whatever. We know that those aren't actual people you would meet in the world. Right. They're exaggerated for a comedic effect. What are the people in this movie? Are these supposed to be real people or are they supposed to be stereotypes or caricatures? I think they're supposed to be stereotypes and caricatures. Like, I think that they are a kind of hyped up version of um, this, of the person who this movie is based on. This is based on um, the... 
writer director the writer director um sean anders he went through this so this is partially based on his experience and i think that what and i don't know i haven't actually read about it but i think this is based on people that he would have seen throughout his time in the foster system or like trying to adopt and that kind of thing i think it's a very basic kind of stereotypical version of the people that you would meet there I felt like all the characters, I couldn't place them whether or not how we're supposed to take them. Mm -hmm. Like, clearly no one is realistic and they're all exaggerated. And that's just a movie thing. And that's fine. But how exaggerated each person was would be so varied. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like the kids are maybe not fully fleshed out characters and they're one dimensional, but they're like Mm normal-ish. But then you have, like, some people are robots like literal robots perhaps who was a robot so we had the one gay couple and one is very boisterous and the other one just talks like this i am very upset right now do you (laughs) see that we are opposites that is a humorous fact about us like is that funny Maybe they only gave attention to the person who has, like, the bigger personality in the couple. I don't know. But that's not something that I noticed. Or the woman who wants to, like, have a blindside situation. She wants to adopt a kid. But that's just supposed to be, like, comedic humor. Yeah. Right? Like, it's funny. So that one is over the top. And then you're like, okay, that's, like, a a funny bit. They're making fun of all these other things. Mm -hmm. But then... Everyone else is like along a spectrum where it's so strange. We don't have people who are comedic stereotypes and then the real world normal people find it odd that they act like that, which is like a funny situation that happens in a lot of good comedies when you have someone who's kind of of our world reacting Mm -hmm. to these crazy people. Everyone's along this spectrum of comedic to realistic But they're all on different points, and it makes the movie very muddled and confusing as to what should be a joke. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of humor in this movie that, especially in a movie about adoption, shouldn't be a joke. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of jokes like Crack Baby is used as a punchline many times. Child abuse jokes, and like, we'll get into that later, but I just couldn't figure out where these characters are lie like mm-hmm. is Wahlberg a normal person so that's a that's a hard question because I feel like Mark and Ellie is that their names Pete uh, Pete and Ellie <laughs> his first name is actually Mark um Pete and Ellie are kind of like a stereotypical couple like I feel like everyone in this movie is kind of a stereotype so they're meant to be exaggerated I think so Because when it started, I asked you if Mark Wahlberg was supposed to be like, like Elf from the movie Elf, (laughs) because he seemed so stupid, but then they didn't take it to a funny place. But because it's still Mark Wahlberg, when he was angry, it seems threatening. Mm. It's not like Will Ferrell angry. You know what? You put Will Ferrell in this movie, I think it would be much better. You're probably right. Because he brings like silliness that you know was supposed to be silly. While when Wahlberg is doing it, he seems like an idiot who can snap at any moment and hurt someone. Right. And I I did not care for him. And not just because of the hate crimes he's committed, but because he's, I don't think he was good in this. Okay. I I can see where you're coming from. I um, still felt like Mark, or Mark, Pete, 
and Ellie are um, very much kind of the stereotypical foster parents who just want to do good and want to like love but they don't. children. Is that what they want? I think so. I don't think it is at all. I felt like that's what they wanted. Should we talk? Like, I know I hijacked your talking about the support group, but should we talk about their motivations for sure. getting children? What do you think it is? Um, so I know one thing that you're going to say, but I'll let you say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that they are that like classic busy couple who just put it off and put it off having children. But and- they're never portrayed like that. They never have the idea where like, oh, we're working all the time and that just passed us by. In fact, they're saying they have like a lot of leisure time to go to movies and play with their dog. They mention that. I think they just enjoy their lives. Okay. And I don't think that they've acknowledged the fact that that is like taking away from the fact that they could have children. I think that could be in there, but I think you're putting that on them. You're giving the movie more credit because I think that's a better, you're writing a better movie than what we have. (laughs) Am I currently writing a movie? A a better one than this. I think so. Well, I'll continue on in my journey. (laughs) I think that, um, the conversation where, uh, like at Thanksgiving, which I think is one of the things that you're going to talk about, mm-hmm. was very upsetting because they decide to have children, like you said last night when we watched it, out of spite. Mm-hmm. They decide to adopt the children out of spite. And I think that um, that's not right and that's not good in any kind of like responsible parenting situation. Um, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because they do seem to really care. I think they're supposed to be good people. Yes. I think. They're, they're, yes, they're definitely supposed to be Mm -hmm. good people. Whether they are or not is very debatable because we just saw the clip of how they decide to have kids in the first place. Mm -hmm. Someone says, you don't want kids. It's like, what? You don't know me? Sure I do. And that's what does it for them. Mm-hmm. that's how they get into it. And you go, okay, sure. But then through the process, of course, they're going to learn more. So then they adopt kids just because someone said they won't. That's at that point, their only motivation, correct? Okay. At that point. Yeah. No, tell me if I'm wrong. No, I think that they do come to terms with the fact that this is something that they want. Maybe it's super fast, like the beginning of this entire movie. But I think that they meet the kids and they kind of fall in love and they kind of can see themselves being a parent. But they meet the kids and then probably three quarters or halfway through the movie, there's a scene where they say, like, um, I hate them so much. I can't wait to get these little assholes out of our house, which is a quote from this movie about (laughs) adoption. And then they come up with a plan what if we tell everyone that they were called back and then people will feel sorry for us and then we can get rid of these fucking kids? So I acknowledge that that is like very uncomfortable scene to watch. But I think that there are times in any parenting situation where you're just like fed up. But you don't make plans to get rid of your children no. and talk out your plan of how to get rid of them I think that and was... then start doing the plan. I think that was too far. But they both said at the end, like, we're not going to do that. Thanksgiving is before that scene where they they decide they meet everybody. They're like, we can't have three kids. That's crazy. And then they go to Thanksgiving. They say, yeah, we're not going to do it. And then everyone says, oh, thank God. And then that's when they decide to adopt the kids at a spike. 
Okay, so then they said, I'm going to stick it to you. Shows what you know. I'm going to adopt kids. Yes. And then they do. And then what makes them turn around when they said, let's get rid of these assholes? Because they love them. But but none of... They have a conversation. They say, oh, these kids are assholes. I hate them so much. And then they're like, yeah, we're not we're not going to do any of that, are we? And then they both agree that they're not going to because they love these kids. I never got that they really loved them. Oh, I did. I think you give a lot more credit to the acting than I do. <laughs> I think so. I think you're biased against Mike, Mike Wahlberg. Well, I'm biased He's against the him. good Wahlberg. <laughs> not because of... Like the the racist hate crimes, yeah. but because he's been bad in everything I've seen him in, that's why I'm biased against him. Okay, he's I don't think he's a good at acting. I never thought that I would convince you to like Mark Wahlberg. He's good when he's playing like a threatening character, mm-hmm. like in um, what was that movie where he's a stalker way back when? It was an early one of his. He's good when he's playing a criminal from the streets of Boston. <laughs> How many times are you going to mention hate crimes? Last time you mentioned it more than me. You brought it up. Okay. I'm just saying that he's good at playing those types of roles. I don't think he's uh, funny. Okay. And he's supposed to be funny and lovable, I think? I think he's supposed to be lovable, yes. Who in this movie would you want to be friends with? I liked Rose Byrne um, and maybe Grandma Sandy. And Oh, character actress Margot Martindale. I do like her. And Karen and Sharon. There you go. Yeah. Karen Sharon. That's where it's at. Grandma Sandy and Roseburn. I don't think I could stand to be around Roseburn's character. <laughs> she is a lot constantly. I think a part of it is that they're new parents, but she takes things very personally and lashes out as if she were a child herself. I think it's because they didn't get to start from the beginning. I take that as the fact that, like, when you have a baby, you kind of learn at the same time that they do. And I think that you learn to kind of accept things. And then as they get older, you already have those kind of coping skills in place. But when you adopt three kids who are already out of that baby stage, that learning stage, I think it it makes it way harder to kind of cope without affecting the people in your household. Yeah, and I think because the oldest child is is a teenager, mm-hmm. they interact as peers rather than as parents. Yes. And, and I'm I, not saying yeah. that's bad writing. I'm saying like that's a, a new parent who's yes. just trying to please. And I wish we had maybe gotten some insight into that. And yeah. then we have the part where she brushes her hair. And I thought then we're going to see some like more of a transition to a mother rather than a friend. But it just kind of stopped there. Hmm. I felt like she realized that she was taking the place of a mother at that point. I felt like she was trying too hard to be her friend and she kind of realized that she had these skills and abilities that kind of were the same as her mom. See, that is good. That's good character stuff. I didn't see that on the screen. Oh, see, I saw that on the screen. Because the next part after that is, yeah, she goes and like, and she writes a little note, gives her the brush, but then she doesn't accept it because of her own issues with her own mom. Mm-hmm. And then they get into like a childlike screaming match. So it just reverts again instantly. Because maybe it's easier to write that or it's funnier, but 
I think what you're saying is is great. I just didn't see it in in this movie. Yeah. I think it's hard for Lizzie, the oldest child, to accept that. And I feel like it's very obvious in the way that she kind of reacts by throwing the brush in the toilet because she doesn't want to replace her mom. She's trying to – she has allegiances that I think Ellie doesn't really realize. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I felt like that whole relationship was very, like, Lizzie needed to be – aware of the fact that Ellie was just trying her best and Ellie needs to be aware of the fact that Lizzie had a whole other mom that she remembered what the younger kids didn't mm-hmm. um and I think that I think everyone was just like trying their best maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt I as usual right everything like you're saying is is correct and I th- think that's that cookie cutter story that we've seen in tv movies mm-hmm. where that's the best part of this movie And I don't think the idea of an older adopted teen who's rebellious and doesn't want to listen to her new mom because she has allegiances to her old mom or her birth mother is anything new or original. And I think it's handled kind of poorly in this. And I think like an episode of what are those like Christian TV shows that used to be on in the early 2000s, like veggie tales no i was thinking more like <laughs> seventh heaven and oh, touched okay. by an angel and i didn't watch of either of those i yeah. haven't either but i think that's i feel like this is the type of story that could be on one of those because it's yeah very obvious but they don't even like hit the emotional notes as well as they could have i think i definitely think that it could have been better And like we've already said, I think that I'm giving it, like, grace in the fact that it's not being super overt. I think they could have made a very cookie-cutter movie like we've been talking about. And it could have been very obvious. But they didn't do it well because it was muddled by their attempts at comedy, which were very cringe-inducing. You know, I think what changed their mind the second time... When I was saying, like, after the one time they want to adopt out of spite, then the other time they want to get rid of them, they go to strangers' houses who give motivational speeches, burst in at night and demand a speech. Yeah, that was that was kind of awful. Like, I didn't enjoy that scene, but... That's what they do to, like, they don't look inwards, they don't look to their parents, they don't have discussions with their children... They go to some a motivational speaker and say, like, pet me up. I need some pep. Last I, time you did it, it worked and I adopted kids. Now I don't want them anymore. Give me more pep. I think that what I got out of that scene was the fact that they were very truthful about it. And they said, she has problems. She's in rehab. That was good. And that was what's like saved that whole scene for me like i think that i think that pete driving ellie to their house was just like out of line but they brought them in and they said like she's not here this is what her life is and i think that the way that they went about kind of explaining their family situation was very real and it was very like she came from a house where her stepdad gave her crack and she's addicted and she f- struggles with that every day and it wasn't her choice and but she's a good kid overall and she goes to college or like whatever and it seemed very heartfelt and real to me 
absolutely, you're correct on that on on all fronts. But what that does for me is it makes me want to see their story. Yes. Because that's a story I am interested in now. That is a story with some nuance. I don't want to go back with Pete and Ellie who just demand other people make them like children. Yeah, no, I and I get that. I, I do think that Pete and Ellie are very selfish, and I don't think that they really get it until the end of the movie, but I think that's a very real thing, and I think that the way that they're showing it might have been better if they had explained it better, but I think that this is something that people who jump into foster care without really realizing it, like without really knowing the true thing, I think that this is something that they struggle with. I think the idea of feeling that you've uh, like bitten off more than you can chew, mm-hmm. that's fair. So the movie doesn't show me this. Right. You're saying like, well, in the real world, this can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Where is that on the screen, though? No. These people are not realistic in any way. And I don't think they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if they're supposed to be realistic. I agree that there are some things that are missing in this movie. And I agree that they could have done a better job of kind of showing and like rounding out these characters and their struggle through this very complicated system. Um, But I think that, and maybe this is just me having experience in this realm, but I think that there is a lot of things that I just kind of assumed and maybe I'm giving them too much grace I think it is on those assumptions because I feel like this movie is all about making these two characters feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. They adopt to feel good about themselves. They demand other people make them feel good about themselves. And what we don't get much of is actually the kids. Mm -hmm. We don't get the kids journey to falling in love with these new parents. We don't really see that. Everything is filtered through the parents. And I found them quite unlikable. Mm. They just come off as selfish so many times because they they quite literally demand other people solve their problems for them. They do that with Tignataro and Octavia Spencer's characters. They said, you didn't say this was going to happen. They demand it from their own family. They go to those people's house and demand that, like, make me feel better about the choices I've made. Which doesn't make them likable to me while all this is going on there's these children who are going through something very intense themselves but we never see it from their point of view we get Mm -hmm. a little bit with lizzie but even that is quite one-dimensional and cookie cutter like we were saying Mm -hmm. and that's the story i want to see i want to see the emotions of going through this not just people making jokes about how some people do it to feel good about themselves Mm -hmm. while simultaneously doing it only to feel good about themselves. I just wanted to go watch Lion or Kazam or like another movie that deals with the nuances of this better. Yeah, I agree that it could have been done better. Um, And I also admit to the fact that I think I'm giving them more grace than they deserve. But I enjoyed kind of the diverse scenes does that make any sense like the the, maybe what do you mean like the difference of the situations that we saw this family in i feel like i've seen movies 
where you watch them from start to finish and it's very like, oh, they're going to school now. Oh, they're at home again. Oh, they're going to soccer or like, and it was just very like one dimensional, but you got to see them with all facets of their family. And I really enjoyed that. How so? Like, do you mean with the different family members? Or? Different family members. Um, I enjoyed getting to see them interact with different parts of the family like Ellie's sister when she's asking her about boys and um getting to see them try and get to know new parts of their family like grandma sandy and um i think that they also got to be children in their like specific ages so like lizzie ran away with her friends and went to the movies but knew how to like bribe her grandmother to stop being mad at her and like i think that it was really cool to see them just be children at some points do we get to see that we get that one instance where it's just saying like yep she's rebellious she's a teenager what do we get to see with the other kids really um I think we get to see children who have never been given choices. Like, I think Lizzie grew up enough with her mother that she got to have choices and she got to kind of see how a loving parent, even briefly, what that's like. And I think her younger siblings, like Lita, has never had a loving parent. She's only lived with foster parents. And I think that she suffers the most in this and she doesn't really know how to adapt to this this new loving family. And I think Juan had a loving family and then got switched so quickly that he has no idea what a loving family really should be like. This is all great. And I'm sure that this is something that maybe someone would tell these characters about their motivation. Mm -hmm. Where was that? What scene did that happen in? I definitely think that could have been developed better. It could have been developed. I didn't see any of that because you said, like, I like seeing them as kids. I don't think we ever saw them doing things unless it was about the consequences of those actions on the parents. I don't think we ever see Lita growing up in any sort of way. Like, she stopped eating potato chips, but that was about the fight with the parents. Mm -hmm. You could talk about Juan's, I don't know, he doesn't cry as much, but that's about the parents in this as well. Even the scene you were talking about how she goes off with her friends, we don't get to see what they do. We just get to see the argument with the parents. Mm -hmm. We don't get to see the kids at all, unless it's talking about how they affect their parents. This movie is just about the parents, I think. Um, I agree. It is mostly about the parents, but I think that you do see like a small amount of growth for the children throughout the the scenes, like when Lita starts accepting help from Pete. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We only get to see their growth as it is determined by being easier to get along with from these two parents. But I think that's kind of the point of the movie. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, but I think you can't say like, well, they, we got to see them as kids, which we normally don't get to, because that's that didn't happen in this movie. The things you're saying sound like great character motivations, but I never saw them in this movie. I told you I'm writing a better movie. You are. <laughs> um, which is not what I'm meaning to do, but I think, like you said, I think I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Because you keep saying great insights, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. And then I think about it, and that didn't happen on the screen, though. 
that happened in your mind where you're writing this good version of this movie, which hopefully stars Will Ferrell. I still thoroughly enjoyed this. I feel like this might be a bit of a Tyler Perry situation. Yeah? Are you familiar with Tyler Perry? Vaguely, yes. So he makes some of the highest grossing movies, like those Medea ones. Yeah. And they're not good. And he does like these Christian morality tales as well, which somehow make like hundreds of millions of dollars. How? Because there are no movies for black people. Right. He it makes is a them. genre. It is a vastly underserved population by Hollywood. So if someone comes in and does it, people are going to watch it. I mm-hmm. feel like that might be the situation here. This is a story that deserves to be told and nobody's doing it. So when you get something that's mediocre like this, you're like, yep, there it is. That's the movie for me. Well, that makes me feel bad for liking it. But I think I no, agree that's, with you. that's fair. Like, there's <laughs> so much to the emotional core of this movie that if I just told you the synopsis, like that quick 30-second one I did, mm-hmm. that's a compelling story. Yeah. It just is. It's inherently compelling. And it's heartwarming and heart-wrenching and all of that but it's just so clumsily handled here um i agree with you i definitely think that this is an undertold story and this is something that i identify with so strongly um that i think i might be blind to the fact that it kind of sucks (laughs) (laughs) it's like anytime i see a brown guy on a movie i'm like oh shit we got one and then i'm gonna like it a little bit because like yes because I've only seen like four, right? Yeah. So yeah. If you see something in yourself represented on screen, of course you're going to mm-hmm. like it. Is this just what like white people from nuclear families feel about every movie? Maybe. Whoa. Wouldn't that be amazing just to see yourself on screen no matter what you All watch? All the time. Oh my God. Oh. That's why they love Friends so much. That sounds so relaxing. <laughs> like any movie you turn on is just automatic. It's just like reflection of it's your life. It's just going to be relaxing and nice to watch. Yeah. Oh. I got like Kumar from Harold and Kumar. But yeah, no, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. And I think I do agree with the fact that this is something that I so badly want to like enjoy because it's put out there and it's it's not a common topic of movies and Mm -hmm. i think that this is a movie fully devoted to this whereas sometimes you'll see it as like a theme in a movie but it won't be a like the whole movie it won't be that's what it's about i want this movie from lizzie's point of view yeah i want to see her struggling with the memory of her birth mother Mm -hmm. with trying to come into this new family knowing that it's best for her two siblings but not feeling committed to herself Mm -hmm. lashing out because she feels so frustrated and has nowhere else to go and then finally coming to terms with the reality that this idea of her mom in her mind never existed and realizing all the terrible things that happened And seeing the opportunity in front of her and her family in front of her. Mm -hmm. That's a movie I'd watch. Oh, absolutely. I think this movie from Lizzie's point of view would be incredible. And I feel like she was a very good actress that Dora... All the Oscars. Yeah. All of them. Yep. She gets best cinematographer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because she was that good. Just her. She's Dora the Explorer now, huh? Is she? Yeah. I think that movie came out a few years ago, actually. (laughs) But there was like a live action Dora the Explorer. Oh, it better be her. If it's not her, I'm going to sound so racist. 
No, she is Dora. (laughs) (laughs) No, she is. I thought she looked familiar. Have you seen that? Um, I've seen like promos for it. Okay. Because it was like everywhere for a while. Um, but uh, for a second there, I was like, oh, is he being racist? (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about something that we might agree on? Mm, Probably, yeah. The comedy in this movie. It's funny. Wait, what? (laughs) No. Okay, let me hear what you were going to say. Because I I get how like the heart of this movie, you can appreciate and like with out liking a lot of the choices that are made in it because that there's a good message in there somewhere mm-hmm. the comedy in this movie is is fucking brutal oh it it was very painful much of the time do you think it's funny there were moments that i thought were funny what's funny um some of the kids moments the kids are funny absolutely yeah. um there were a couple pete nelly moments i can't think of one specifically right now but there were a couple pete nelly moments that were cute and funny this had a lot of that like really humor you know when someone does something that you don't like and you go really <laughs> really really <laughs> you look that's, so disappointed that's when you not say that. <laughs> funny but that's a type of comedy that's used a lot mm-hmm. in, especially in this movie I don't think it's funny just to say really a bunch. Maybe that's just me. You wouldn't like it, even if it was funny. Good thing I'll never find out, because it's not. <laughs> um, I think that there were some moments in this movie that were very funny, and then I think the rest of it I just took as very real. That's one thing I disagree with you on wholeheartedly. I don't know what's real about this movie. In the, like, maybe not in the fact that, like, this is what people are like, but I think that in the fact that there are people like this out there. Like what? Like, like we talked about stereotypes. Okay. Like, I think it's funny because stereotypes are generally amplified, right? Like, so the blindside woman or, like, looking for something very specific in an adopted child. Okay, but what about, like, these, our main characters? Um, I found them... Kind of relatable. Um, and I found their kind of banter kind of funny. Okay. I think that one, probably neither of us can explain our point of view, but I yeah. just definitely disagree. I found their banter very forced. It seemed like people acting. This is one of the most acty movies. And not that they were putting on big <laughs> shows. I didn't believe most of them. I thought the kids were quite good. Maybe I just didn't like Rose Byrne's character. Mm. Perhaps she wasn't bad at it, but maybe it's just the character. But they just definitely seemed like, okay, this is rehearsal number three. Like you can. Oh. I felt I could see the strings. Like how you said Night of the Living Dead was so low budget that it took you out of it. Mm -hmm. I felt the performances in this were so weak that it took me out of it. And I just saw like, yeah, I can, I can picture myself on set. Hmm. I felt like I was watching people audition or rehearse for a movie rather than the story that was actually happening in the movie. Huh. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to fight you on that because I feel like (laughs) we saw this in very different ways. Um, But yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think you expect more. (laughs) And then the jokes, a lot of them were... I don't want to say that anything should be off limits. I don't think that you should have like, oh, you can't joke about that. Everything can be joked about in a Mm -hmm. certain way by certain people. Different levels, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they would do so many throwaway jokes about like, oh, look at that kid over there. looks like he has fetal alcohol syndrome. 
That's okay, not a there joke. were some throwaway comments like that that were just like or like crack pipes and like oh they never had a father much. what do they know yeah or like joking about dead parents all the time like in a movie that's about trying to create new families that's there were you can't yeah do that. there were moments that were probably just too much but uh, I think I think that I might have forgiven those a little bit just based on the rest of the movie okay and the timing the comedic timing seemed very off and then there's also so much balls hitting people in the face i don't know if you think that's funny you'll you'll like it i thought it was funny (laughs) so many like what four or five times where it's just a joke of a kid getting a bloody nose because something hits him in the face Mm -hmm. it's a it's a lot it's a lot of slapstick in a movie where you're also making crack pipe jokes and calling people crack babies frequently Maybe not frequently. Three times. Three times is too many, I think. Yeah, when I think that some of those like more derogatory happened. references are they they were too much. Um, but I thought Juan getting hit by the ball multiple times was just like it was funny. Okay, he just had bad luck. Yeah, and I felt like he. And Juan is the character who always flinches and says, don't hit me because he's been abused. And then the joke is he keeps getting hit in the face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... When I say it like that, does it still sound as funny? No, but also, like, I don't feel like it was framed that overtly. Okay. I felt like... Like it was, it was a funny joke, and then separately he was also like so nervous. But then every time he relaxed, he got hit in the face with the ball. Kind of funny. I don't know. Maybe I'm an awful person. No, if if that kind of physical comedy is funny, it's just it is or it isn't, and you can't really t- discuss it too much. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about like when the grandma said, "Oh, hello, Juan. My name is Han, and this is Harry." I thought it was funny. That's funny. I thought it was that's, funny. This one I will argue on. No, that's not <laughs> funny. That. She's so clueless that she just says everything like that because she thinks she's speaking Spanish now. That's the joke. I just thought it was funny because she was trying to, like, identify with him. And she was trying so hard that it just, like, didn't work out. I don't know. I didn't care for her. She was in Airplane. Mm-hmm. And I had I don't know what else she's been in, but that that very breathy voice I remembered. Yeah, her character, I didn't like she was so much even margot martindale who i love because she's margot martindale and i just love saying that mm-hmm. she was a lot too, i guess everyone's a lot That's everyone's a lot the, the children are realistic but they only have one character trait each and then everyone else actually everyone else only has one character trait but they're in your face with it right eh, i feel like everyone was so extra pronounced just because they were stereotypical and they were trying to be like all of the people in that group so do you think that all of the characters are like a commentary on this because i I think there's a few of those in the classes that they're taking but i don't think i don't think they go far enough to make everything a commentary it's not like this is a parable or something like that it's i don't know what it is i don't know what this movie is trying to be this movie left you wanting more no, I don't want to see better. any of it again. Wanting better. <laughs> so there must have been the good bits at the end. Because when we finished watching it last night, I'm like, oh, I didn't hate it. I didn't like it for sure. And I knew all the things that I disliked about it. So today I went to sit down and kind of organize the notes I wrote while writing it. 
You wrote so many notes. You were on your phone, like, the entire time you were watching. I was still trying to catch up with the first half of the movie. I know. After that, I, I stopped quite a bit. But I went back and rewatched a few scenes. And now I was watching them out of the context of wanting these children to, like, find a secure home. Mm-hmm. Because you do get caught up in that. Mm-hmm. Because you'd be a monster not to. But once I'm not in that story and just watching certain scenes, it was it was so much worse than I remembered. Oh. oh. We can talk about other funny jokes in it, like when they had a phone with a teenage boy's dick pic on it, and then Tom Segura, who is not Brett Gelman, who I thought it was in that one little second, right. Segura, I do not like at all. And he was like, oh, sweet, let me see. How big is it? He's just talking about, there's a lot of talk about teenage boys' penises and the size of them. That's not, especially in something about foster care. I thought we were going to talk about things that were funny. <laughs> Well, this is what the movie posits as funny. Oh, I didn't realize I didn't that. find any what was funny. You you can tell me what was funny because I could I not tell you any. Don't think I can pinpoint any. So oh, keep I thought, going. I thought one thing was funny when Wahlberg says to Juan that, like, oh, where's Lizzie? Oh, she's the one over there. And he goes, oh, I see her. She's right over there. <laughs> I laughed at that. You did. I don't think that was supposed to be. Maybe it was supposed to be I think it was supposed to be funny. Okay, that was hilarious. What about when Wahlberg attacked a child at the high school and says, let me see your, what's he call his testicles? Like shaved plums or something like that. It's, It's gross. No, that wasn't funny. No, that wasn't funny. Joan Cusack, who you build like number three in this movie but she's <laughs> that's in about she, that's how she came up on she's in IMDb. about 45 seconds of yeah it. she was funny but that was the one moment where they actually get to the heart of the story mm-hmm. and they have an emotional moment and then it's completely undercut by by like a crazy woman watching yeah and she was funny but why put it there why is this movie scared of the topic it is about why can't they have those conversations and just yeah. let them sit? Yeah, I definitely think this could have been a little bit heavier than it was. I think they took the light road and made it very, like, fluffy and fun. But not fun. But not fun. It's not like it has to be heavy, but when you're having an emotional moment, allow that emotion some time to breathe. They just undercut everything so frequently, and I... Clearly didn't appreciate the attempts at comedy. Maybe if you think those things are funny, it would be better. But I I cared about Lizzie. Mm -hmm. I cared about these kids. And I want someone else to show they care because I feel like this movie doesn't care about them. Hmm. I think we watch this very differently. (laughs) Um, And I know I keep coming back to that, but I think that, um, I don't know, I... I think I was easier on Pete and Ellie just because I know the, like, toughness of that situation. May I theorize? Yeah. And you you feel free to stop and correct mm-hmm. me. But I think the idea of a couple adopting three children, we automatically put those people as being great people. Mm-hmm. And as people, yes, like if we're talking about the real world, and I feel like we're conflating the real world and this movie, because someone who is willing to make those sacrifices, willing to love a new family, 
That's an amazing thing. And I feel like you might be giving the respect and praise for the real world type of people who do that to these people in this movie who have done that, but yet their characteristics from everything else that's written about them does not correspond with the type of person who would do this. I feel like you're right. (laughs) I do feel like you're right. I feel like you're making a very good point. And that's like what I was talking about earlier. Just because you dislike a movie doesn't mean you dislike the subject matter. Mm -hmm. Just like how at one point I'm going to tell you how American Psycho is a great piece of satire. And I feel like you'll hate it. And you'll be like, this is the most misogynist, violent thing I've seen. And it's like, yes, it is. And liking the movie doesn't endorse those things. Right. Because of... And we'll get into that at one point. And just like in this one, disliking this movie doesn't mean you're against what it is proposing. I just think that such great subject matter, such important subject matter deserves a better treatment than this movie was capable of giving it. Okay. (laughs) I think you did a very good rundown of that. (laughs) Is this one of those times where you'd be like, yeah, that was a good point, and then be angry at me later? No, I think we're having a very rational, a strangely rational discussion right now. It's not a Gone with the Wind situation. No, we're or a Bride Wars situation. Okay. No. Um, no, it's not a Gone with the Wind situation. And I think that um, my bias stops me from judging this movie as harshly. Or just judging this movie. (laughs) Or just judging this movie. So I feel like I've run out of things to say. (laughs) Because I totally accept your point of view. And I think that it's very valid. Um, But I feel like I'm having trouble just like separating myself from the views that I have shared. But you still like the movie. I like the movie. And that's that's fair. Because an overall message can make up for all of those shortcomings. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I don't feel like it did. But if you... If for you, the message, the emotion behind it is able to overpower all of the shortcomings, then that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's that's where I sit with this movie. I don't think that the like judgmentalness that I approached it with last night when we watched it is actually how I feel about the movie because I still really like this movie. I think I have a very different lens when we watch it together. And I think that I'm like kind of watching you to see how you're going to react to it. Um, But I I still think back on the time when I was in Toronto and I had a day to myself and I went and saw this movie because it was so cold because I needed to get out of the wind because Toronto was so windy. Um, And I like cried and I had such a like moment with this movie that I don't think that I'm going to be swayed. And that's fair. And representation is a beautiful thing. And Mm -hmm. I just hope we get to the point with a lot of different types of representation where we can demand more out of it. Simply having a story that you can relate to shouldn't be enough. It's not enough for baseball players. They get hundreds of different movies to try to encapsulate what they go through. Right. Why can't adopted families? Once there is as many stories about adoption (laughs) as there is baseball then maybe you would perhaps look at this movie and be like okay yeah that was be more critical no you're right because this is probably one of the first times that i've seen this on 
film, right? Like, and being able to go to a cinema and, like, watch this kind of story. So I think, yeah, make me 10 more movies about adoption that are better, and I will judge this movie more harshly. It's not about adoption, but did you ever see Lion? No. If you want to cry in a movie, oh. (laughs) So you said we were going to talk about how much I cried in this. I did not cry in it. I did at the end feel emotional. Right. Oh, you felt emotions? Oh, sure, for sure. Not just annoyance and disgust. (laughs) It was like more emotions than just annoyance. (laughs) Yeah. When I did feel those, though, there would be something to distract me right away, Uh which bothered me a lot. Because, like, they have the courtroom scene where they're going to be a family. And it's I was just waiting for that this whole time. And then the judge is, like, putting on music and cracking jokes. But it's like, you were the same judge from, like... 20 minutes ago that was the exact opposite of this and when they have the emotional moment with lizzie that can't land because there's like a crazy woman making comments and then they're going into to her house to eat pie just let those moments land because they could be very good i agree with you did you ever see shazam no it's about the foster care situation more than Isn't adoption. Isn't that the genie? That's Kazam. Oh, sorry. Kazam is a Shaquille O'Neal genie movie. Right. Shazam is a superhero movie. I think it's one of the better DC movies, but I wasn't in the best state of mind when it happened. I So I really liked it, but I should watch it now and be like, I actually don't remember much. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, it's so beautiful that this story is being told. These These kids... They need to be able to see themselves on screen because I, I work with a lot of kids right. like that, right? And um, so I got emotional watching Shazam, the superhero movie, because I was so excited about the representation that that we don't normally see. So I completely understand how you can overlook a lot of things because you're so excited to see that story finally. Yes. But Shazam might be great. I'm actually not sure. I'll have to rewatch it. (laughs) You'll have to rewatch it. At the time, I loved it. Let us watch that. There's a foster care movie. It's not about adoption as much, but. Okay. It was very good. We can watch that. Well, we stayed very civil during this conversation. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to be worried about me. After you didn't hit me this time like you did. Not this time. <laughs> um, and uh, I think we had a very healthy conversation about this movie. No, oh, it's healthy. I like that. <laughs> that this podcast is like couples counseling now. <laughs> No, I just mean that nobody's going to leave the table, like, because we sit at our kitchen table. I don't think anybody's going to leave this table upset. Unless you're still upset. (laughs) I'm still upset about those the first 10 minutes of this movie. At the other person. (laughs) Not at Mark Well, I've never been upset with you. (laughs) (laughs) That's not, like, a a sweet thing. It's just, I, I don't take it personally when people hate movies that i like or vice versa oh that's just a me thing <laughs> no that that's a most people that's thing. a most people yeah. thing i've um, been talking to people about our podcast and like how dare you say that don't you know i saw that when i was seven and i loved it and i was like no i, I how would i know that? <laughs> okay well we had a very calm discussion about this movie and mm. i think we still came to very different points mm. But that's okay. That's the point of this podcast. Exactly. I think this is one of the first times where what I envisioned this podcast would be uh, has happened. Did we do it? I think so. We did it. Because I just, I, oh, Sam's high-fiving me. We did it. (laughs) I feel like people should be able to talk about art in 
personal ways to themselves, but not be offended or hurt when someone doesn't like the same things that are completely down to your taste. I mean, it took me a year to figure it out. But it's not I'm... like politics you can get angry at. Oh, yeah. Oh, because please. <laughs> Um, but no, I'm glad that we finally come to the ability to talk about this together. <laughs> it only took two years. It only took two years. So next week, Indy will be introducing us to his pick for the mid-Christmas season. Pre-Christmas season? <laughs> yeah. The pre- December will do Christmas movies. Okay. And November is like post-Halloween, pre-Christmas. So it feels like the mid-season and uh, I'm excited to know what he's going to introduce. We will also talk about our picks of the things of the week, thing of the week. Um, and you can let us know what you thought of Instant Family, which is on Netflix. I'm interested to hear what other people got out of this movie. I think it's probably going to be reasonably well liked. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay, well, we'll see you next week. Have a good week. Bye, everyone. <laughs>